Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. You're listening to the Bow Hunter Planet Podcast, your gateway to the wonderful world of archery and bow hunting. Now, your hosts, Tim and Dave. Enjoy the show. Everyone, welcome to the Bow Hunter Planet Podcast tonight. Really excited tonight myself, Dave Thomas. Sorry, I'm even messing my own name up. We're going to redo that. <laughs> I'm That's reading awesome. the name. I don't know why. Oh. That's awesome. Oh, wow. Hey everyone, welcome to the Bowhunter Planet podcast. Really excited for tonight. Myself, Tim Mazarana, Dave Thomas, and always, and special guest tonight, uh, which we're really excited to talk to, is Greg Glessinger. Um, Greg, it is great to have you on. I know you're a big part of the DOD family over there. You're involved with a lot of stuff. We wanted to have you on and just kind of talk about you, your background, what you do over there, um, and, and kind of see how things are going, what you have going on this year, next year, and that whole bit. So, Greg, if you wouldn't mind, um, you know, give us a little bit of background about uh, about Jury Outdoors, DOD, and, and kind of what's going on there recently, and a little bit of history, if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, you know, DOD started, what was it, 32 or 33 years ago. Uh, they're based out of St. Louis, St. Peter's, uh, Missouri. And um, I've been lucky enough um, to be with them uh, officially, this will be my 11th year. Unofficially, it's got to be 13, wow. maybe 13 or 14, I think 13. Uh, DOD was started by Mark and Terry Drury, and now they have uh, Terry's son, Matt, uh, who's very much involved, uh, runs the office, the production. He's kind of, I would say, the quarterback behind the scenes that's probably the unsung hero that probably doesn't get the PR that he probably deserves. Uh, he's definitely earned it, but he probably doesn't get it. Um, and then Taylor has really stepped up in the organization here in the last uh, three or four years. Um, and she is driving our social media from A to Z. Uh, she runs uh, her own team. And what you see behind the scenes, if it's social media related, uh, her fingertips or her face is definitely involved in it somehow, some way. So it's really neat to see the second generation of the juries getting involved um, um, in the last, uh, well, for, for Taylor, really involved in the last four or five. But Matt, he's been really diving in for, I think he's with 15 or 16 years now, hardcore, but really taking it next level here in the last five or seven years. Um, far as DOD stuff, you know, if, if, you, if you're in the whitetail space and you don't know what deer cast is, you're probably living under a rock would be my guess. But <laughs> um, they have really taken uh, the app world and the hunting space to a whole nother level with deer cast. And it's truly uh, blowing the expectations away and it's growing super fast and, and the expectations and uh, the uh, feedback we're getting from the average hunter is exactly what their goals have been met. I mean, they're, they're hitting it out of the park and the stuff they're doing behind the scenes that I can't say much about, but I do know some, um, it's really, really gonna be mind blowing when the next version comes out. Um, it is 
hard to put in words. Uh, I was blessed enough to be in a meeting. Um, we have an NDA, so I can't say too much. I can't say much, but uh, I, I was in awe. I mean, I, I'm not a guy that doesn't say much. Um, I'm pretty talkative, but in that meeting, I was blown away by what, where, where they want to take this and how they're going to do it. And really, the sky's the limit is what I will tell you. And there's a lot of time and effort and energy to constantly come up with, with new ideas that meets and exceeds uh, the hunter's expectations. And from what I've seen, it's going to blow it away. So from a DOD standpoint, that's really what they're focusing on, obviously, is, is DeerCast. It's where it's going. It's the platform um, moving forward. Um, there's no doubt that's where they, they want this organization to go to. Yeah, so I, I, I got to, I actually, we probably got to end the podcast because I just pulled it up and it says that I got to get out there right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's time, yeah. it's time to hit the woods. No, I'm just joking. Um, but that's awesome. Uh, deer cast, and you're, you're not wrong about that. When you talk about DeerCast and you just mentioned that name, if you don't know what that is, you, you probably are living under a rock. Um, because it's come, it, it's become synonymous in, in the industry now. I mean, there, there's not, first of all, there, there's not a lot of apps out there, right, that are just hunting related, period. But an app like that, um, I mean, it just, it takes it to the next level. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to, to hear what you just said, which is there's even more coming with that, with that app and everything that's going on with it. So um, it, what's, what's crazy is, I mean, for 20 bucks, which is the elite version for 1999, for 20 bucks, you get the entire DOD library of over 32 years that you can thumb through, wow. which back, you know, back in the day, I, I, I was, I was one of the biggest customers early on was a DVD. I think there were nine 99, I think. Is that right? I think. Yeah, no, that sounds about right. I'm trying to factor down inflation. I think. <laughs> um, so now you have access to all of it, just that alone for 20 bucks. And then, yeah. and then you throw in all the, uh, Deercast track, which is my favorite part, and what that is, is it shows, it breaks down the anatomy of the whitetail, and it shows you uh, where you hit the animal, and then you can go to videos um, that will tell you how long you should wait and give you some insight of how you should um, obviously address your, your unfortunate hit. It's like having Mark and Terry in your, in your back pocket. I mean, for 20 bucks, who, who doesn't want that, right? And then, yeah, and then we'll get into all the articles, and I think they're at like 700 or 750 articles um, that are in there that all related to the outdoor space, whether it's hunting or outdoor lifestyle. And then all of our journal entries that are, we have to get them in. Our goal is to turn them around uh, within 72 hours and they're up within three or four days of us tipping over whatever animal we're chasing. And so we're trying to get really real time. And, um, we're, in my opinion, I think we're achieving it at next level stuff. So um, if you want to follow anybody within the DOD team, you can just go to Deer, DeerCast, the app, and it's all right there. I mean, it's, it's, they got three or four new updates they do per day. There's always something happening every single day. It's, it's crazy the amount of staff behind the scenes to keep this engine rolling. It's quite impressive. Yeah, and I, I think it's really important because you know, we talk and we've been talking for the last 11 years that we've been around 
new hunters, new hunters, new hunters, next generation, right? And, and what better way to capture the, that next generation than to use their technology, right? The, the, everybody's on their phone now. Everybody's on apps. That's how you run your life. I, I, I'm on a laptop right now, but, but swear to God, other than like editing videos and that kind of stuff, the only time I'm on my laptop is doing this stuff. Everything else, like personal wise, I do for my phone. So I think it, I, I think it's a super important for um, to, to see companies like DOD and Drury Outdoors and all that really engage the next generation of hunter and come to them on their level and what they want to see, because we need that. You know, we, we, we really need those new hunters coming into the industry, um, not only from, you know, an industry standpoint, but most definitely from a conservation standpoint as well. hundred percent. Yeah, you bet. Absolutely. So that's awesome, man. So, so you're involved with a lot over there though. And I think your main, you're, one of the main things you do is with Bow Madness. What, what's going on with Bow Madness? Um, how's, the, how's the last couple of years been? Has COVID kind of changed what you guys do and how you do it? But, you know, what's kind of going on with Bow Madness? Well, unfortunately, uh, well, we always have a DOD meeting in every um, August, the last second or third week of August. And um, uh, this past year we had it, but the year before COVID obviously uh, shut that down. So that was a little bit, you did a lot of Zoom calls and that, that whole situation. But from a hunting standpoint, you know, COVID really didn't shut us down too bad unless you're traveling outside the U.S. because um, it's really a solitude sport, let's be honest with you, you know? So um, that was a beautiful thing from that, from a standpoint of production and people missing trips. There's a few of us that couldn't go out on international trips or outside the U.S., but other than that, COVID really didn't affect us much. Um, there's probably, uh, I got to go down, the, uh, the, I think there's 10 or, I think there's 10 of us on the Bow Madness cast. I might be off, but I think it's 10. And we got guys that are, some of us are very concentrated in Midwest. And then we got like John O'Dell, he, he goes all over. I go all over. Um, um, most, most guys are really focused on the whitetail space. And that's really what's the bread and butter of, of DOD. Um, but like myself and John, uh, Rick, he may travel out. Um, Dave Kramer, he, he, he likes the Western stuff as well. Um, myself, I love going West every single year. I try to do meal deer and elk. Um, uh, this coming next year, I'll be going to Alaska. Um, awesome. In September for about two and a half weeks, chase moose with a bow and uh, hopefully brown bear. Moose is going to be number one. If we have time, then we're going to move over into uh, uh, brown bear. So that will be my fourth trip to Alaska, fourth time with a bow, and I'm 0 for 3. So I'm it's got to happen, man. Got to happen. I hope that, you know, <laughs> one for four is in my future. So um, we'll see. But it is, if anybody ever's thinking about going to Alaska, and I understand it's, it's extremely expensive, I understand that. But let me tell you, it is an it is a trip, and I mean a trip of a lifetime. Even if you come home empty, the to and from and experiencing that outdoors in Alaska is next level, unbelievable, can't put it in words type of experience. Now, th those trips that you've taken in the past, have you had any close calls? Yeah, I've, I've uh, close calls. Uh, so I've been three years ago was my last trip. I went on a full draw on a brown bear that was probably inside of 11 yards, maybe 10. And the guy had his gun next to me, for, obviously for danger reasons. And 
he stepped on a twig oh. and I was literally a half a second from releasing the arrow and that bear whipped around and it was over. Um, but it took us about a half a day to go from 750 yards to within 11 or 10. Um, but yeah, I don't know. He looked at me, I looked at him, I, you know, I was mortified and I'll put no that mild. No doubt. <laughs> but so it, when you said it took you, it took you, uh, <clears throat> how many days to go from 750 <clears throat> down to 11? Oh, it took us about a half a day half because a day. we're trying to use goalies and, and the wind and, okay. you know, it's just, it's when you find these animals out there, it's depending on the terrain and Alaska is so vast and so variant on the terrain that, so just say you're going to the Yukon, what part of the Yukon? Cause it's so different. Um, and where we were, we had a lot of rolling knobs is what I would call them and a lot of brush. Um, and so we would just glass, watch a move, make adjustments, you know, trying to play the wind. And when we got to 100, he looked at me, he goes, you sure you want to do this? He's been guiding for, I don't know, it was well over a decade or 15 years. And he's never, he never had a guy take one with a bow. So he was just as nervous as I was. Sure. Um, see it in his eyes for all the right reasons. Um, but when we got within that 20 yard mark, I'm like, this is actually going to happen. And it was going to happen. We were half a second away. And that, that's, that, that's at least you walked away with the story, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we did talk about that later in the tent that night. We said, you know, we're definitely disappointed, but nobody got hurt. And, you know, that was his, because he said, he goes, Greg, soon as you release the arrow, I know you want to kill him with a bow. Uh, but if he even looks our direction, the clip's going to get empty. Yeah. And I said, you know, I completely understand that. Um, so the good thing is nobody got hurt, and, but it was, it's an adrenaline rush. That's really money can't buy. Um, it, it's Casey who was over my right shoulder filming it. When he ran away, we looked at each other and I, you know, our pants were full. Let's put it that way. No doubt. Now, do you, do you hunt when, when you're doing whitetail, do you hunt in areas where there's bear? Uh, no, we don't. Okay. We chase whitetail. You know, we've done Kansas. We've done Oklahoma, Illinois. Wisconsin, Iowa, Missouri. That's that's pretty much where we go. Yeah, obviously not all bears are are made the same, and brown bears uh, you definitely don't want to mess with. I I know uh, up up here in Michigan where we're at the upper part of the lower peninsula, and then the upper peninsula, pretty decent bear population, and uh, they're black bears though, so it's you know obviously completely different type of bear, uh, different demeanor, Major temper, difference. all that kind of stuff. But you still kind of. <laughs> you know, look behind your back. And, you know, I do a lot of ground blind hunting where, where I go and you're sitting on the ground and uh, you, you know, you never know when one might pop up and it's, it's pretty interesting when they do. So I, here, here's an interesting fact. I was in New Mexico elk hunting. This has probably been a, probably a decade ago. And the DNR uh, game and fish guy agent came into our camp to, you know, do the random checks and so forth. And, and I was asking about bears and I said, you know, I've seen a few blacks and he looked at me and goes, do not take them lightly. And I said, well, I wasn't planning on it. And he said, no, I'm serious when I say that. And I said, what, what's your point? And he said, we have more black bear attacks and the data will show there's more black bear attacks than brown bears and grizzlies. And I said, is, is that just a pure number thing? He said, well, yeah, sure it is. But he said, they're more aggressive than you realize. So treat them like a grizzly or brown bear and you'll be fine. Yeah. And that is one statement that I've never, never took lightly. I mean, he was serious yeah. as a heart attack. Yeah, so it kind of, it, it hit home for me this year because 
uh, I was hunting in a new spot on the land up north, and um, we had trail cams out. We saw at first it looked like, and we don't have, we don't really have wild hogs in Michigan at all. But on camera, this thing looked like a pig. Like it was ridiculous the the size of this thing. And um, you know, we're sitting there and we're we're watching it and on, on film, and it, it comes and goes. And there there is a little bit of a pattern to it. As we got closer to hunting season, it kind of changed, and 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 we stopped seeing it. Um, for, for quite a long time. And we go up to our hunt camp and our, one of the, one of the caretakers of the property, we were sitting with them one night. He's like, I got to show you something like you guys wouldn't believe this. And he pulls out, pulls out this picture of this. I think it was a 14 year old. It, it, was, it was a teenager, teen, teenage girl that ended up during our bear season shooting this thing. And it came out to, I want to say 525 pounds. And it, it was, I, if, if it's not the Michigan record, it was really close to being a Michigan record for a black bear. And he's showing us picture of this, of this thing. And, and he's like, you won't believe where we, where she shot it. And he, he pulls out the map of the area. He was, she was, she shot it literally a mile and a half South of where our trail cams were picking it up. So that, that bear that was maybe a Michigan record. I think they're still waiting to see uh, whether it was or not. Um, you know, might have been sitting next to me when I was hunting deer this year. So yeah, you can't take because you you never know when they're gonna show up, right? I mean, oh. it's just that type of animal. They're so okay. quiet. Oh, next level quiet. Yeah, crazy quiet. Yeah. What? Out of sure. curiosity, did, did you know the age of that bear? I wanted everything. So it, it happened not that long before we were hunting. So I think that they were guessing that it was five and a half to six. But they weren't entirely sure. I would have guessed older. Yeah, and it might be. They, the, you know, who we were talking to, I don't know how much experience he has, you know, and you know how the rumors spread uh, around, yeah. you know, around the smaller <laughs> towns and stuff like that. So it yeah. could have been much older. Huh. For sure. But they, they, the fact that we saw it on camera, I mean, a week before she shot it, I mean, those things, it's a pretty big, that's a pretty big bear for sure. Oh, that's not big. That's, that's, that's huge huge, huge. Yeah, yeah for sure for they always bear. say black bears are more aggressive though and they will attack to kill whereas like a grizzly bear might just want think you're dead or you play dead they, they get they said with the black bear you need to fight for your life as well so, yeah I've, I've heard that and read that as well yeah so you know we always go out with uh well i don't always but i you know i keep i, I either have bear mace or I, I take a firearm with me, you know, because you just don't want to be stuck in those situations, you know, trying to hunt, uh, trying to hunt whitetail and then uh, get ambushed. So, yeah. Um, but so, so bear hunting story. Awesome. Those are always fun. Dave's got some good ones too. I know um, he actually cried one time up in a tree when, when a bear came in, I think, I think that's how the story went. Is that Let's how talk about bucks? All right. Greg's got a lot of bucks here. Let's move on to the good. <laughs> People want to know about I white like tails. how Tim is parking the bus on Dave, and Dave's not saying much. <laughs> That's not fair. I want to hear about these jewelry bucks, man. They got they kill the <laughs> biggest bucks in the world. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. <laughs> oh, I love it, man. So, so bow madness. Um, did you guys just finish up your season then? No, we're still going. We're we're I'm gonna be leaving uh Sunday or Monday to head back to Iowa and Missouri. Uh, we, unfortunately, this is the first year this has ever happened to me. And I've been doing this while well, bow hunting for almost, almost uh, what, 25, 26, 27 years, whatever it is now. But we had a late harvest. We had a very, very wet fall. 
and our farmers couldn't get in. So our, our fields did not get harvested until I think it was like the 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th of December. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was wow. horrible. It was, after, it was after Thanksgiving. And so our, our uh, farms were hunting. They're, they've got a lot of ag in them. And so once that ag's harvested, it shrinks down the corridors or bedding and all that. But once all that corn was still up, it was really, really tough to hunt them, tough to find them. Um, and so then everything changed once all that stuff got harvested. And so now, honestly, in the last, oh, call it week to 10 days is when our, our target bucks really started getting exposed. And we, yes, we chase um, score, but we chase age first. Um, and a lot of those mature ones were bedding out in the cornfields and they weren't, now we've, we've shrunk them and now we're finding them in the last week to 10 days. So hopefully between now and Christmas, um, our luck's going to hopefully change. Hopefully. Yeah, that's cool. And so what's your biggest buck to, to date? My biggest buck is a 239. Oh my God, that's a big buck. I was thinking you're going to say like 185. That's a monster. Holy cow. Yeah, what state was that in? That was Iowa. It was shot with Iowa. a bow. Um, it's wow. actually the largest whitetail ever filmed in outdoor television history. Wow. Really? Professional. Yeah. Yep. Dang. You don't bring that up often with the guys, do you? Uh, you know what mark mark did a great job of it he I, I didn't realize all this the night that it happened um which was 2019 um i told him he, he texted me that night he said hey a bunch of us are getting together for going out to dinner would you like to join us and i said that would be my plan b he said what's your plan a and i said my plan a is tipping over extra innings that was his name and uh, we we've been patiently waiting it was the uh, october 3rd 30th or 29th of October and I've been waiting for that win that pressure all year have not gone in once so this is our first time in and, and he's been daylighting a lot so I, I my expectations were pretty high to see him I didn't know I was going to obviously harvest them but we're definitely excited about getting in there and I texted him that night and he said when you coming to, to Mexican and I said I'm dealing with plan a and all I got was hell yes <laughs> um so we threw him in the truck and we met in the mexican parking lot and we scored him there and he looked at me and goes i don't think you realize what you've done i said no i don't what what do you mean he said you just killed the largest whitetail gunner bow in dod history but he goes i'm 99 certain you just killed the white the biggest whitetail ever filmed in professional outdoor sportsman's channel history he goes, wow. I don't know. yeah so it was it was a fun and long evening let me tell you that yeah and a long morning the next day and a long morning yeah <laughs> but uh, i found the video i found the video on youtube this thing is a beast oh my yeah. god yeah this the crazy, crazy thing was is the year before we found uh his sheds which we have and you know I i'm gonna estimate uh he was in the mid 80s um really yeah so he jumped you know call it 60 inches in one year do now, you know how old? What's really interesting about that story is when we harvested him, his front, front right or front left hoof actually had a very strong curl to it. And when I asked the biologist about it, he, he truly believes it took him out of the rut the year before. And so he went into the winter much heavier and fatter 
Ah. And wow. he said that's why he believes the jump of inches in his head because he came into the spring not have to pack weight on his body and put that energy into his rack. Now, that's his theory. Do, do I have proof of that? No, but when he told me that, I'm like, okay, that makes logical sense. Yeah, I'm going to buy that one too. I'll, I'll buy it, man. That, that does make logical sense, yeah. And so it was really interesting um, because to, to have a white tail grow, you know, almost 60 inches, 55 inches is unrealistic and the expectations should never be that. And that's why I was trying to figure out why. And that's that's a theory that he hung on. Did you get him aged? This is Yeah, he's six and a half. Six and Dude. a half. Wow. That's, 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 how you, that's great. I'll tell you right yeah. now, that's a, that is one of the best bow shots I've seen in a long time. And that that's, buck, I mean, how much time is he to give you? <laughs> he just stands right there. Like, well, for like well, here, a minute. He gives you a perfect yeah. shot. This is the fun. Well, it's crazy. The, uh, oh, the what a shot. Part, the great part was we saw him at like, I'm going to say, I think it was 245 or 315. Um, if you were watching the YouTube clip, you go to the very beginning, you'll, you'll see it. We get a, like a four or five second clip of him and he's chasing a doe. Well, that doe drug him into a TSI part of the farm that we had just done that spring. And wow. I'm like, she's going to drag him in there and come dark. This is the nearest food plot. I'm willing to bet you she's going to pull him out here. It all makes sense. And so every doe, I'm, you know, on my edge of my seat, waiting to see if he's coming behind her. And finally, uh, she came out and she kept looking behind him and I'm or behind her. And I'm like, okay, it's gotta be, it's gotta be him. And then he came through the That's warm season beast. grasses and part of that. And it's the most dominant experience I've ever seen of a whitetail, meaning he hit the plot and every single whitetail on that plot backed up and he didn't, <laughs> he didn't, he didn't, he didn't go after him. He didn't push him. His mere presence on the plot was like the man just showed up let's give him a space yeah it was wow. awkward i've never seen that before and then he went to a scrape that was i believe at 48 yards and he was there for about i'm gonna call it 45 seconds it's in the clip um and i was i was debating whether to shoot him because he was quartering away 48 i had confidence in my abilities to let it go and just as i clipped my d loop she the doe that he was chasing leaves and walks through our design bottleneck of our food plot. And I, Jeez. which is 31 yards. And I, and I was like, okay, he's going to realize once he's done scraping that she's gone, he's going to follow her through this bottleneck. And so I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to take the risk. I'm going to gamble. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm right. But I'd rather with that quality of animal, I'm like, I'm going to take the risk. And sure enough, he realized she was gone and he went right through that bottleneck and call it luck. Cause that's all it is, is luck. When she went through that bottleneck, she got to the other side of that bottleneck, which is another food plot. She stops and freezes. So she's probably 45, 42, 45 away from me, but she's on the edge of the bottleneck. So she's already gone through the minute he turns that corner and sees the bottleneck, he sees her and he stops. He just puts the brakes on and he happens to be 31 away courting away and the rest is the if history. she would have been 10 yards away and he didn't see her he probably would have went running huh it, he would probably went right through yeah. that bottleneck and i would try to stop him and it, it probably wouldn't have happened because he was so Tim, I, i'm i'm changing hunt camps i don't hunt you no more i'm gonna hunt with greg from now on <laughs> i don't blame you man <laughs> I don't, hey i'll shoot a 120 you guys go right ahead they come out 
this is this is like so exciting like yeah. wow i mean that is unbelievable deer i mean we don't all right you know here's the here's the real challenge greg i challenge you and all the juries to come do this in michigan let's see how good you guys do then <laughs> <laughs> you know what dave it's a fair question because i i really cut my teeth in in um in wisconsin okay yeah and i have yeah. a lot of public um early on and it's tough i'm, I'm not gonna i'm not gonna Man. run from this question it is tough and when you hunt very large timber blocks like michigan is um it's really really tough i i i hunted up in michigan or uh minnesota for a while which is a large timber blocks uh not far from leech lake walker akeley minnesota which is kind of three hours north of minneapolis um that's tough too um i would just it's one of those things where it's like i know you know your stuff like i know it i can tell just by listening to you talk and all that i would just love i don't know how to do this tim but i would just love for greg to see what we're working with and like tell us what he thinks because i feel like maybe we're just doing things wrong but then again maybe he's gonna be like you guys that's a lost cause you're you should be out of there you know what i mean like <laughs> well but, but what i what i will say this and and, and you know I, I give mark a lot of credit because i i was i was lucky enough 12 13 14 years ago um to sit in his living room uh well i'll tell you the story and this is this is fact um a couple times a week you would invite a handful of us five six seven eight of us whatever it may be and we would go pick up Kentucky fried chicken, whatever. And we hang out after the hunts during the late October through the first couple of weeks of November. And we would just talk deer hunting and strategies and all that. And I did that for, you know, two, three, four years. And one night we were packing up and cleaning up the kitchen. He goes, man, he goes, great. You don't, you don't talk much. And I said, Mark, I said, with the expertise and knowledge in this room, I really just want to sit and soak it in. Cause we had Terry there. Yeah. We had Mark, we had, all their camera guys through the years. And there is nothing better than experience, right? I, my, some of my experiences and my theories have come from my experiences. So my theories and what I will tell you not to do or do are based on my experiences. Now, a guy next to me will go, that's, that's crazy. I wouldn't do that. Well, he might be right based on his experiences. It's like, right. you know, a lot of things we do in life, we make our, our, our knowledge based on what we experience. So those guys taught me so much. They probably forgot more than they taught me. I'm sure of it. Um, and I just soaked it all in. And without being in those rooms, I, I don't, not so sure I'd be in this position. I'm fairly certain I wouldn't be uh, in having the track record that we have. Um, but I will say this, to answer your question, is if someone said, would I rather have a, you know, a farm that's 50-50 timber and grass? Yes. Would I want to have 100% timber? No. But what I can tell you is if you do have 100% timber, you can cut it, you can design it, you can, you can create funnels, you can create blocks as you cut those trees down. Now, obviously, you got to own the property to do that. I understand that. Right. But we, we do a lot of timber stand improvement, a lot of edge feathering along the fields, and we create, you know, bottlenecks. We create... Um, travel corridors. We create deer movement based on how we want them to go based on our entry and exit to that plot or that location that we want to get to. Yeah, we may amazing. put, so we cool. may, we may even put a, a, a wall of timber that we did timber stand improvement and take the, the tractor Bobcat and move it over and drop them so that when we get out of the stand, they may hear us, but they're not going to see us and they're not going to smell us. I've always said is you want to hunt deer but they don't need to know you're, they're being hunted. 
Yeah. You want to exit and leave so that the more, the less pressure they are, then the more movement they will have during daylight. And the more movement they have during daylight, the more opportunity you have to obviously harvest them. Yeah. So we, we as hunters are more often our worst enemy. You want to exit and leave with no trace as much as you can. I mean, our exit and entry on 99% of our spots are bulletproof. And I mean bulletproof. And yeah, there are times that we'll dive into, uh, well, in 2017, we shot Major League one in 203, which was my first 200 inch deer. We went five days in a row into a, into a, a oak, oak Ridge. And we went in there 45 minutes to an hour before dark and 45 minutes after dark. We didn't leave um, because I want to minimize scent and pressure because I knew I finally found him and we saw him and I'm like, this is our only way to kill him. And I told Mark, I said, two things are going to happen. We're going to kill him or we're going to push him out. But I got to try. And we, after five days of going in, we finally got him. But we really do, you know, from nose jamming our boots to scent crushing our clothes to all those things, um, you know, we, we take that stuff all the way to the, to the 10th degree to try to minimize as much as we can. Yeah. There's no such thing as a silver, silver bullet. We try to do a lot of little things that hopefully add up to great things. So, so for the, the brand new hunter, the, the ones that are watching this, this podcast that are getting interest into hunting that have never done it before, would, would that be your number one tip or do you have a different number one tip for the brand new hunter? The, the, let, let's just say the top two things that they should be thinking about when going out. I, would scent, say- and I, I guess what I took you for is, is staying invisible, right? Which includes scents, and all of that kind of stuff. So let, let, would you call that number one? Yeah, for sure. You know, and, and, and what I would do, you know, how I cut my teeth early on was, and I learned this the hard way, was just blo- take your expectations away. Don't, don't try to chase a 130 or 140, 150. Don't, don't do it, right? What I would tell you to do is start shooting those. And let me tell you, to harvest a late season mature doe, in December and January is very, very difficult from a tree stand because she is so worried and, and she knows everything. It's a tough thing to do. And if you can make those mistakes, which the best lesson for a bow hunter is mistakes. I can tell you about them. I can talk about them all you want. But let me tell you, when you do them, they burn a little deeper and they sting a little harder. Um, but um, I would just focus on practice Um harvesting does, getting your shot, getting your confidence up, all those things, and obviously exit and entry and, and going undetected the best that you can and always use that wind to your favor. If the wind is wrong, we don't go. We'll go somewhere else. We, now, now, when you say, so, so that, that's a big point to everybody, and everybody says win, win, win. What does that mean? So when you talk about wind, what are you talking about wind? Are you talking up upwind, downwind, just, just, just so that people get an idea. I want the wind in my face based on where they're coming from. So if they're coming from the north, I want a north wind because I'm going to hunt the south side of that flock. Um, higher pressure days are better. You got to, you know, um, here, here's a great trip, a, a tip for a, a new bow hunter. If you can, and I don't care if it's public or you go to an outfitter, I don't really care. I wish I would have done spot and stock hunting earlier in my career than I do now. And why is because it forces you to understand the wind at a whole nother level. 
and it forces you to understand thermals at a whole nother level. And you start paying attention to deer movement and personalities different than when you're hunting whitetail up in a tree at 20 feet. It's, it's different, but when you come back, you're like, you learn so much and it shortens that curve up so quickly that I wish I would have done that sooner. I love that. That's a great tip. Yeah. It really so, is. So Greg, real quick, and more of the, the business side of the, of the, how it works. And, you know, a lot of people ask the question like, well, you know, what is it like changing equipment? And I know you guys went from PSC to Matthews and it was that hard for the team. Cause I mean, it's a lot of guys to switch over to a totally new brand. You know, I know you guys have been with PSC a long time. So yeah. I had this feeling yeah. like, man, well, they must've been, it must've been hard on to make the switch, even though we all know Matthews makes amazing bows. I'm just saying like, when you get, when you're a serious hunter and you're hunting, like as hard as you guys were hunting, I can see a switch being a little bit like, Oh man, really? So I guess, how did that go for the team and, and all that? Well, I mean, realistically, I, you know, it's, you're absolutely right. It's, it's not easy. Um, and the only thing, you know, when they, when they called and gave us the call, I said, you know what, it, it every, no matter what hobby we're in or what you're looking for, there is a business side to everything. And that's what pays the bills. And, and that's yeah. just the God's honest truth. No different what you guys do. I mean, you guys have a long list of sponsors. I've listened to several of your guys' podcasts and your bow reviews and so forth. I get it. And so when the, when the change came, the only thing I asked Mark, I said, how soon can I get this? Yeah, exactly. Because, <laughs> you want to get to work. <laughs> I, I got to get to work and I got to start throwing stuff downrange because it's going to be different. And yeah. I don't want to be that guy. And, um, you know, that doesn't put the time in. And, and if you put the time in, it's the adjustments fine. But for the guys who didn't, um, we had some misses and, and I don't, it wasn't because PSC is better than Matthews or Matthews is better than PSC. It had nothing to do with it. It's yeah. just that they didn't put the time in because it was different. Um, yep. and every, every manufacturer's got their, you know, pros and cons. Um, but once you start getting them filled out and figure out what's going on, it's, you know, the man, the bows today are amazing. I mean, compared to 15 and 20 years ago. I mean, honestly, they're amazing. So I knew with Matthews, it was going to be a, a, an outstanding bow. I wasn't worried about that. I was worried about me adjusting to the bow. Um, and so yeah. I'm like, the sooner we get them, the better off we're going to be. And so that was kind of get the number one game plan going into it. And, and they, Matthews were great. They, they worked with us and they got them out as fast as they could. So it was a, it was, it couldn't have gone any smoother. I'll put it that way. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Cause I always know, cause I mean, I shoot a lot of different boats here for our test live show and I always know they always have a different feel and, you know, we had a, we had a hunter, uh, Ron Reslow, who's, uh, you know, if he was out there with you guys, he'd be one of your top hunters as well. He is like, this guy's unbelievable hunter. And he, um, but anyway, when we had, when we started Boner Planet, I would give him all different bows all the time. Be like, Hey, you know, use this one this year, or use that one. And he'd be so mad. He'd be like, stop it. I don't care what it is. I don't care at the brand. You know what I mean? Cause he was so serious about every shot and that's why i brought it up because i know you guys have major major hunters on this team so i can see some people not being happy with even a, any sort of change i know there's hunters who don't even like changing within the brand they use <laughs> i know so many no, guys it's true it's Tom true Miranda one, said that to one, me once. one it's extremely time consuming yeah um and you know once you get your bow dialed in and you're really confident then you just pick it up and you're just drilling tacks right Yep. And then you switch over and then you got a new site. Now you got to, you got all that new stuff. It's got to be tuned and, and they got to get your confidence back to where you want it to be. Yep. And, and bow hunting, as yeah. you guys know, confidence is everything. Yeah. If yep. you don't have confidence behind the rig that you're pulling back, 
man, that's going to be tough when the moment of truth happens. You're just not going to execute. You might only get that one chance, too. That's the other problem. You know, like that buck you shot, you know, if you would have missed right there, who knows if you ever would have got that shot again. Well, Mark, Mark, Mark said a, a quote that has resonated me forever, and it's not his quote. He, it's somebody else who quoted it, but I learned it from Mark, was one arrow could be the difference between an incredible year to a year that's beyond horrible. And, yeah. and, and when you look at it in bow hunting, most of us live by one arrow. Community is what Bowhunter Planet was founded on. It's that foundation that helps us bring more men, women, and children into the outdoor community. We created Team BHP, helping more people into the sport of archery. We'd like you to consider joining Team BHP to help us bring more people into the heritage of archery. With your contributions, you will help us bring the archery heritage to more and more people. You're not only receiving great discount code, phenomenal giveaways that we run all the time, and just the feeling of community that you can get from being a member. To get more information, check the link below. We carry yep. five out there for no reason, really. It's just no, <laughs> it's true. one shot. It's true. We all live by one arrow. And, you yeah. know, when I practice, once I get everything dialed in, I will literally shoot one arrow and go home. Why? Because one arrow is what matters. Not yeah. sitting there and drilling 50 at a time. You got to grab that bow, draw it back, whatever yard you're going to practice at, and you better focus and let it happen in that one arrow. And I'll put it back now. I might do that, you know, all summer long. Um, just shoot the one because you're only going to get one time. You don't get five reps or 10 reps or 20 reps. You get one. So are the, are the guys on the team, are they, is there, cause I know you guys are, you know, very serious bow hunters, but do, is there anybody on the team that shoots a crossbow from Matthews? Um, on the bow madness cast, we are not allowed to shoot a crossbow on that show. It's vertical bows only. Okay. Um, and, and that's, that's Kerr Matthews request. Okay. Um, yeah. I was just curious. We, I wasn't sure. I, I figured you guys were just doing vertical, but I just, yeah, we, we do have guys on the team, the DOD team that do crossbows. Yes. But not part of the bow madness cast. Got so it. if, if those I are nice to, crossbows too. <laughs> yeah. So if I was to use a crossbow, um, that's fine, but it's not going to go on the bow madness show. Got it. It's going to make sense YouTube yeah. or something else. Matthews wants bow madness to be vertical bows only. And so makes if, sense. You know, we're, we're so dedica dedicated to that show. Uh, yep. Do I have a crossbow? Do I have a mission? Yes. Do I use it? Yes. I use it to harvest does is what I use it for. Um, it. It's more efficient. Uh, we get a lot more done a night than, than a, a vertical bow, obvious for obvious reasons. We got more range and a whole long list of things. Um, but awesome. we have not harvested a buck with the mission bow. Now, the guys, guys on the team have, but not us. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. All right, Greg. Well, thanks for joining us, man. Appreciate it. I, I want to have you on again soon. I, I we got to talk some more tips and strategies and stuff like that. Cause it's always exciting. And I think people need to learn it too. <laughs> There's a lot of people hey. need the help. <laughs> hey, I'm an open book anytime guys. I'm glad you reached out and the stuff's always fun. You know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's great to share ideas because I, I learned from you guys as well. So, um, I'm an open book. Just reach out anytime. We'll be happy to jump on. Good deal. Yeah. Next awesome. time we do this, Greg, I promise we'll, we'll look at the deer cast, make sure it's a poor day 
So that way we, we, we don't have to worry about hunting at all. <laughs> oh, no worries, guys. No worries. This has been a presentation of bowhunterplanet.com. Join the hunt. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.